Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Fantasy Scoop. We're serving up some fantasy Sundays for your football Sunday with a cherry on top. Uh, I am your host, Chase. This is James Trefi, uh, also hosting with me. Um, we missed last week. I honestly just had a lot of exams to do, so that's why I missed. But we're back at it again here. Um, and we're back to our regularly scheduled programming. So what we're going to start with is we started with this last time. We kind of like this trend. Uh, we're going to be starting off by asking each other just a random question. The the other person has no idea what we're going to ask, but we're going to do it to the best of our ability. So, James, James, why don't you ask your question first? For sure. And before I ask my question, I would like to extend an invite to our followers to ask us questions in our DMs. And we will love to open the show with some questions that you guys have for us so that you're getting the most out of our content. So if you have a question for us, drop a comment in our tweet post or in our podcast. My question for you is kind of a, I don't want to say contender or pretender because it's not really about a team, but it's going to be like, do you think this guy is reliable going forward? And that man is Daryl Henderson. Okay. Okay. I didn't think you were going to go to there. Okay. So reliable as in like, like, let's uh, say, you know, cause if you look at his numbers, he he's, he's producing at a level that you would want a number two running back to, to make. He's, he's a guy that's putting up numbers that would be suggestive that you would draft him in the first 10 rounds. But coming into the season, we didn't really know who the Rams bell cow would be, but so far he's probably been the best one, but knowing that they have kind of a trio there at running back, you got cam Akers there. You got Brown there. Do you think Henderson's reliable moving forward? So I'm taking a quick peek at his stats and his schedule. Let me look at Malcolm Brown really quick because I don't really, I don't really worry about cam Akers. I think cam Akers is going to be huge next year, but cam Akers isn't really a factor at this point because his pass blocking is very, Questionable. I, man, I gotta say, I fell into the Cam Akers trap in one of my leagues. Took him in the ninth round. Oof. Well, that's. I mean, I mean, while that's not a round that's gonna completely destroy your team, that is definitely a pick I'd like to have back. Yeah, I I did two one of my leagues. Thankfully, in one of the the league that I traded or not traded up, drafted Cam Akers. I traded him um, and two other big name players for Christian McCaffrey as soon as he went down to kind of stash him. Um, so I got rid of him. Thank God, but. Yeah, Cam Akers is a, definitely was a trap for a lot of people. Um, but Malcolm Brown, so that's interesting about Daryl Henderson. I would say that as far as reliable, so last question I ask you, would you want him to be running back two or a flex? You know, at this point in the season, you would almost, in, in most PBR leagues, you ideally would have a receiver. So I would say running back two, and you could mm-hmm. say flex, but just a reliable starting caliber running back going forward. I would have to say no for a couple of reasons, unless you are hit with the injury bug. And obviously that is a different story, but we're, this is no injuries. Um, his carries have not been consistent all year. Uh, he had a few stretches where he had fifth or 14 plus carries in three straight games, but uh, his carries go as follow. First week he had three carries next week. He had 12 week three at 20, which is his big game. Um, and then against the Giants, eight, uh, Washington football team, 15, 14, 15, and then eight last, uh, last time they played because I buy this week. Um, I also look at Malcolm Brown because obviously that's his main contender for like taking away touches. Malcolm Brown had more carries than him last week. I don't know if you knew that. 
Um, well, see that, and that's part of the reason I did want to ask you because he has Daryl Henderson has had the questionable tag over the last mm-hmm. few weeks, so that could factor into that. But when healthy, he has been as reliable as they come. Looking at some of those numbers and carries that you just mentioned, you know, a guy that's getting you know double digit carries a game consistently. I mean, that's hey, you know, double digit carries is double digit carries, no matter the offense. Yeah, that's yeah, of course, of course. Um, yeah, the reason I only say no is because he's taking away a lot of, uh, he's taking away 10 potential carries from Daryl Henderson. And if he's not, if he's not scoring a touchdown from here on out, uh, I would say he's going to be worth like six to eight points a week. And especially if you're hunting for a playoff spot, six to eight points out of your running back two potentially, or even a flex position, I wouldn't really bank. I wouldn't want to bank on that. And I also look at Brown's, um, receiving for the past few weeks and he's actually been catching the ball a couple times a game so i would say unless you are have you have no other options you you should start him but like if you have you know two healthy running backs and daryl henderson's like oh do i put him at running back two or do i sit him this week i would sit him based on the matchup so i would play him a couple times um twice he still plays seattle twice so that's something huge because they're obviously potentially the worst defense that's ever hit the, the football field since the NFL started. Um, and then I think they play the Jets in like week 16, so playoff time. Now, do you take a risk playoff time for it? Maybe, depending on how you know well he's been doing in previous weeks. I would just kind of, I would monitor him going forward. I would say no to start. It would really depend on the matchup for me for Daryl Henderson. I, w- I would say he's matchup dependent. Yeah, which I would. Yeah, I agree. I would say that a lot of when you get to the nitty gritty and when you have committees like this, it is a very matchup worthy player, which makes it very interesting down the stretch. Oh, yeah, for sure. Especially with Malcolm Brown, too. I mean, he's also taking away those carries. I mean, if he's if he's slashing it up and then he gets a goal line carry, for example, you know, touchdown from Malcolm Brown. Oh, well, Daryl Henderson's got four points at the end of the day. And you're just like, why did why did I do this? What did I do this for? We've all been there. We've yes. all been there. Yes, we have. So what is and your I, question for me, Chase? My question is actually running back related as well. Okay. And I've already mentioned him once in this podcast. Hmm. From, from here on out, if you have held on to Christian McCaffrey this whole year, are you depending on him? Or are you going to count him as kind of an injury-prone running back? Or are you going to trade him? As soon as you can, if, if your trade deadline hasn't gone, are you keeping McCaffrey for the long haul, potentially if he heals from his shoulder injury now, or are you getting rid of him right now, selling high? Well, you know, and that, 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 that's an interesting question because it really depends on it. Honestly, I think it depends on the structure of your team. If you have a reliable number two back that you could put into his spot, that's not as injury prone then maybe you could argue it. But I would say in most case scenarios, you keep Christian McCaffrey because of the way that offense is run. You look at the Panthers. How many times does Mike Davis get the football? A lot of times the running back is the leading receiver on that team because you have a quarterback in Teddy Bridgewater who is not known for his deep passes. He's much more of a game manager. He's going to get the ball out of his hands quickly. And that's very favorable for running backs. And it's favorable for Christian McCaffrey because that's how his game is. And injuries can happen to anybody. And we're in a year when COVID-19 could take out any player at any given moment. So really, 
when you have a guy that's such a high caliber player in Christian McCaffrey in most leagues, I don't think I've I don't think I've seen a player that was as most consensus number one pick as Christian McCaffrey coming into the season. So what could you really get for him? You know, because he has the injury tag on him. So that might take away some of the value you could be getting back in a trade for him. I would just keep him because he's in the perfect offense that allows him to get a lot of points, a lot of catches. If he gets in the end zone, he's going to go over 20 almost guaranteed because he gets double-digit points almost off of catches a lot of the time. So I say no way, Jose. You don't trade McCaffrey unless if you're getting a package back that benefits your team so much that it the loss of him wouldn't matter. But in most case scenarios, no. You 100% hang on to him. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. I tinker with the idea because in, in this league, like I told you, I traded Cam Akers. I also traded at the time, I think, Ronald Jones and then Stefan Diggs for McCaffrey as soon as he got injured, and I held on to him all year. And I was really hoping that he would be here for the long haul so I could win out. But now he's hurt again, and I'm just like, ah, you know, what do I do? I mean, you, you do see that he does catch the ball. I mean, so yet last game, for example, against the Chiefs, he had 37.1 points in the PPR league. He had 10 catches for 82 yards and a touchdown. That's a number one receiver right there. But he also ran for 69 yards and a touchdown. So I think his value when he is on the field is so much that, yeah, unless you get something that's an otherworldly offer, like if you get Stefan Diggs and Nick Chubb and... I don't even think I'd do that if I'm, if I'm honest with you. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. Like I'm trying to find a scenario where I would do it. I mean, you'd have to, you would have to include like, you would, okay. One thing I could say is you would definitely, it would, it would have to be for, let's say you're, you just can't catch a break at the tight end position. You could say, I'm done with this tight end crap. I'm ready to move on from Christian McCaffrey. I need Travis Kelsey. If you can get a, a Travis Kelsey, you know, that fixes a hole in your lineup for him. That's the only scenario where I could see you trading Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, that's that's a good point. And not even looking at value anymore. You're just looking at like, okay, what's the weakest position on my team? Oh, it's tight end. I'm getting six points a week. Or if you're someone who has Mike Gesicki, you're getting zero points every once in a while. I mean, yeah, go get yeah. Travis Kelsey. But um, <laughs> this is a, this is a side this is a side note. Would you just do Travis Kelsey straight up for Christian McCaffrey? Like, if you were no, Kelsey? no, I would I would need I would need Kelsey, and then I would need to get a receiver, and then I would give a receiver back. But the receiver that I have coming in would be better than the receiver that I would have sending. It would have to be McCaffrey. It would probably be, have to be a four player trade where mm-hmm. I'm getting you know the two the second and third best players in the trade. It would have to be something like that. Yeah, like McCaffrey and Shark for like maybe like a, a Julio Jones and Kelsey or something like that. Yeah, I mean it doesn't have to be that extreme. You could go, you could, you could. I would even you could, you could go, um, you could go like a uh, Travis Kelsey and a DK Metcalf for Christian McCaffrey and Calvin Ridley. You could do that even because, like you said, Christian McCaffrey because of his his catching ability serves almost as the best of both worlds. So, you know, I just, I just don't see it, man. I just, I really, I, the more I'm talking about it, I just, I don't see the reason in trading McCaffrey unless you're getting some kind of overwhelmingly great package for him. And I do know a lot of big Christian McCaffrey fans out there who will move oceans to get that man. So it's not possible that you could get a very, very good bargain for him, but I just don't see it. Yeah, I, I, I'd probably agree with you on that one now that I talk about it. 
This, this is why we ask questions. We don't know what we're going to say. <laughs> so we just go off the top of our heads. We look at quick stats and we're like, okay, I even talk myself out of my own question. You know, so, something yeah. last year, last year, I actually did, I, I, made, I made a mistake. I, I actually made this the same mistake that I, I just, I just said, I traded McCaffrey because I had Kelsey coming back and I had Kelsey and Le'Veon Bell coming back and look how that turned out. Oh, I, oh. I thought he, I, I, I thought Le'Veon Bell was due to have a great second half of that season, but it only went worse than there. I'm a, I'm a Bell believer, but the Jets have just absolutely collapsed. So yeah, they, if I also side this not even fantasy related, but like Trevor Lawrence, if you, if I'm, if you're listening to this for some re, for some miracle chance that you're listening to this, you should stay for just one more year. <laughs> Like, don't go to the Jets, man. Just, just stay home. Well, okay. if they can, if they, if they can get rid of Adam Gase, I, I say that, yeah, he definitely should go there. If, if he's not gone now, when's he gonna go? If he's not gone already, when's he gonna go? Like, what's Off the... season. Oh, Come on, you can't, you can't keep him one more year, especially if they go zero and sixteen, like they're probably going to. I think they will. I think they will. So, I don't think any coaches survived that. No, well, except, except Zach, well, Zach Taylor did, but the first year, you know, doesn't. Or did they go in sixteen? No, they didn't. They go. They I think they won a couple games. Yeah, they did win. They did win one. My, that's my mistake. Yeah, but the the Bengals are in much better position now. Much, much better. Much better. Um. Uh, sound the alarm. Panic button. Who are we hitting the panic button on, James? Who are we hitting the panic button on? For the first time doing this segment, the panic button is going to go to my favorite position in fantasy, and that is the tight end. It's time to hit the panic button and give up on Jared Cook. Wow. His season is over. It's done. He is not a caliber starting tight end anymore, and I'm going to tell you why. Just look at his stats. Okay, so Michael Thomas has been out since week one, and Emmanuel Sanders has been beat up. He's been on the COVID list. So... Coming into this week, Jared Cook's week five through week eight, they had a bye week six. So Jared Cook, week five, 13 points, week seven, 12 points, week eight, 16 points. Those look like starting caliber numbers for a tight end, I would say. All the weapons come back, and he puts up three points last week. Oh, so he lost a lost a fumble then too because he had two catches and thirty yards. So that's yeah. And 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 I've had I I've been a believer in Jared Cook. I've I've ha- I've thought I thought he was going to be much bigger in that Saints offense than he has been in these last two years. But there's there's just too much sugar to share. You couldn't even get points. You couldn't even get a garbage touchdown when they were up by three scores. You know it. To me, the Saints are built around Drew Brees getting the ball into the hands of Alvin Kamara and then working the football to Michael Thomas and now Emmanuel Sanders. Jared Cook is just it just the offense just isn't shaped for him to have successful fantasy numbers. He's a big body. He'll help in the blocking. He'll help be a bailout option. But. Every time they hike the ball, I mean, even you got Taysom Hill in there. He's he's just not. I don't even. He's not. He's not a, a highly targeted option. He's not a guy that is going to be looked to for them to go to on really any play at all. So, time to get a new tight end if you got if you're going to be relying on him for the rest of the season. You know what I'm looking at too. He's had 
he's had no more than five catches all year. Yeah, he's right. Exactly. One, two, three, four, four games where he had two catches only. And then one game where he had three catches. So to, he's touchdown dependent. If he doesn't score a touchdown, he's going to be a dud. Exactly. And that's that you can't, you can't, you can't go for that stuff. You just you can't, can't go for that stuff. That. Especially no. when, especially when you got an offense that's got so many weapons and just got, uh, and just got Emmanuel Sanders and Mike Thomas back. Yeah, Mike Thomas is going to steal a lot of steal a lot of targets for sure. I mean, he's already had five, I think five for fifty one last game. Michael Thomas had uh, Jared Cook at two for thirty with a fumble lost. So, I mean, unless it's unless it's a game, another matchup thing. Unless it's a team that's no, notorious for being terrible at covering tight ends. I don't even I start I don't, Jared Cook. I don't even think I don't even think that's going to help you out there because like really? he's, he's just he's just not being targeted. I mean, I don't I don't see Sean Payton as the guy to play to other teams' weaknesses. He's an offensive-minded coach. I believe he's going to play to his strengths game in and game out. And that's Drew Brees, Alvin Kamara with Mike Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders. And you bring in Taysom Hill for a couple of big plays. Yeah, I think I also – this is, I, don't, I don't really buy into Taysom Hill that much. But, uh, but I mean, that's still I – mean, he's still getting how many plays a game, but specifically drawn for him. That's not going to Cook. I mean, Kamara's getting 10 catches a game as well. I mean – and Thomas is getting that's going to get like ten catches a game, and now Manuel Sanders too. Plus, Traquan Smith is no slouch. So, I, yeah, I, I agree with you, man. I would say get rid of Derek Cook if you can. Tight ends are kind of are kind of tough to come by this year, unless you yeah, draft Elsie or Darren good. Waller. I think you're kind of you're you're almost kind of I don't know. It's, it's even tough. even Mark Andrews. You even look at Mark Andrews. He has not been nearly that. You know, a lot of people were taking him in the fourth and fifth rounds. And if you were one of those people, you're you're kind of disappointed. I mean, he's been kind of inconsistent for a tight end that you draft that high. When you when you draft a tight end that high, you're expecting double digit points out of them on a consistent basis. He hasn't scored more than six in three straight weeks. Yeah, man. I mean, that six out of nine weeks, he hasn't scored more than six points. That's absolutely yeah. atrocious. Yeah, it just yeah, it you know goes to show you know, and and I'm really uh, it, the more. The more that the years go on, I become less and less sold on taking tight ends high. For me, it just takes away from you getting a very good running back or a very good receiver that you just can't find late in the draft. Yeah, unless unless it's Kelsey. Honestly, well, Kittle too, but Kittle's hurt this year. But unless it's Kelsey, I wouldn't take anybody past, I mean, before round five, personally. I got Darren Waller, I think, in my fifth round or sixth round this year, and I'm, I'm loving that pick. But, uh... Even he's sometimes inconsistent a little bit. Yeah, for sure, for sure. What is your panic button? What is your panic button? My panic button is a running back who resides in the great city of Kansas City. Mm. His name, he has three names. Yeah, I knew it. His name is Clyde Edwards Elaire. Panic on this dude! Get him out as fast as you can. I love this man. This is this is not me saying I hate Clyde Edwards-Helaire. He's not going to be good. This guy's going to be a stud. But as long as the the Chiefs are putting up the numbers that they're putting up, while also having Le'Veon Bell in the mix, they they're basically a, they're basically a timeshare right now. They're basically splitting it right down the middle as far as um, carries go. So let's let's look at the past couple games, right? Let's go to Clyde edwards Lair really quick here. So, the last three games, he's had under nine carries each time. 
He's at eight for 46. He's run for six for 21 against the Jets. And then five carries for 14 yards against Carolina. Now, he did have 12-plus points in two out of three of those games, but that's because he caught a touchdown and he ran for a touchdown. He's, he's So Clyde Edwards-Elair, beginning of the season, he could run you to a point where he didn't need to score a touchdown and you'd probably be okay because he ran 20 times a game and he had a good yards per carry. But he's not getting the touches. He's not getting nearly enough catches. But if he doesn't score a touchdown, he's going to be scoring you around six to seven points a week. That That's someone you drafted to potentially be your running back one, easily your running back two. And now he's just... He's he's gotten his carry stolen from him, and like yeah, Le'Veon Bell, he he's a, he's gonna help that offense in the in the end end of the at the end of it all. But as far as fantasy goes, I think Clyde Edwards-Helaire is is due for the rest of the season to be looking at like ten or less points every single week unless he scores two touchdowns or something. I don't see Clyde Edwards-Helaire really pro- pro- producing as much as he was before Le'Veon Bell came into the mix. Yeah, and 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 I I agree with you, and I'm actually a little bit of a different perspective on Clyde Edwards-Helaire. I I I really never understood that pick from the beginning, and the reason I never understood the Chiefs drafting him is because to me there is no way that after you pay Patrick Mahomes and you have Kelsey and Hill, who you're going to want to keep around. There's no way that the Kansas City Chiefs are going to be given a running back 20 carries a game. There's just no way. They're not going to want to add a a star running back to the payroll. So them drafting a guy in the first round like like that as a running back and having people all over him in fantasy, I I was against – a lot of people were picking Clyde Edwards-Alaire in the first round. I I thought that was insane. You have Kelsey – uh, Tyreek Hill in that offense? Come on. You're telling me that he's going to be more valuable than those two when they've been there for as long as they have? No way. And Le'Veon Bell is getting carries. I don't understand where people just gave up on Le'Veon Bell. Who has looked, outside of Brandon Marshall and Ryan Fitzpatrick, that one fluke year where they almost went to the playoffs, outside of those two guys, in who in the last 10 years has done good on the Jets or done better on the Jets than they have on any other team. Nobody. It's where great talent goes to die. It's a terrible organization. Le'Veon Bell, (laughs) you know, Le'Veon Bell for the the next, the second half of the season, I would almost argue is a great guy to have because they're going to find a ways to get him involved. Once he starts getting more in football shape, once he really starts to find his groove, like he did in Pittsburgh, because it was just, what, what are we, two years removed from him being a consensus top two pick in fantasy? Come on, we're better than this, guys. This guy can still work. And he's in Kansas City with Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. You know, the, they're going to find a way to get him involved. So, yes, definitely hit the panic button on Clyde edwards Lear. You're not going to get the value that you drafted for him. No way. Yeah, when I saw people drafting in the first round, too, I was very confused. I get that he's on a really good offense, but at the same time, I mean, you're drafting a rookie running back in the first round. I don't know if I could ever do that unless it was someone like Zeke potentially, but I don't even know on his rookie year if I did that. Uh, I trade, I traded for Clyde, Clyde Edwards Lair in one of my leagues in, in redraft leagues this year because I really desperately needed a flex. And I had him for one good week 
But then two weeks after that, I saw his carries diminish. And thankfully, I packaged him in a deal to get um, – actually to get Michael Thomas because the guy was, like, so mad at Michael Thomas um, that he gave me him for Clyde Edwards-Dulaire and a couple of receivers that were pr- pretty decent. I forget who it was. But uh, thank thank my lucky stars I got rid of Clyde because as, as much as I think that he's a really talented running back, like we talked about, there's – as, as James always says, there's too much sugar to share. You can't you can't give him this, a cup of sugar while you're only giving Tyreek Hill a quarter cup and then Ty, and Travis Kelsey a sixth cup. Like, you got to split that up somewhere, and you can't give that majority to Clyde. Clyde's going to get a freaking teaspoon at this point. I mean, and I, I also, I also want to point out that Sammy Watkins has been out the majority of this season. So, you know, if he gets back, that's another mouth to feed there. Oh, for sure. Yeah, there's there's just too much. I would, yeah, I agree both for our panics. Yeah, I, I would say I agree with them for sure. But then we're going to move on to our next and last segment. It's our stardom and sit that we always do for Thursday night games. Uh, this week, it is the Colts and the Titans. Am I right about that? Colts, Titans, for sure. Colts, Titans. Okay. Who are you starting from either team, James? Well... The person that, I, you know, I, I think about this, um, the person that I'm most definitely starting is Jonathan Taylor. And the reason why I'm going to start Jonathan Taylor is because the Colts are going to want to keep Derrick Henry, A.J. Brown, Ryan Tannehill. This Titans offense is starting to get very comfortable. It's not just Derrick Henry. A.J. Brown has put up 20 points in the last, like, three or four weeks. So, they are really catching their rhythm. They're putting up some big numbers. But the Colts are a smart team. Phillip Rivers, very smart quarterback. He's going to try to get first downs. He's not going to try to go for it all. And the Colts offense hasn't really been as pass heavy as a lot of people would have liked it because T.Y. Hilton is starting to show that he's not the guy that he used to be. So in a divisional game where both teams need to win it very badly for playoff implications, I believe that the Colts are going to go for game plan. Jonathan Taylor is going to have himself a lot of carries a lot of opportunities in the passing game look for him to get about 20 points this week and and i think i think um uh what's uh, the coach's name frank reich right yep yeah frank reich i believe i saw a twitter article today that he wants to get taylor more involved like this week than he has in past and if that's any indication as to what might come i would say 20 points are in his future um i don't exactly know how you know, the Titans run defense could stop someone like Taylor. I would, I would agree with you on that. I'd say 20 points is huge. Also one quick note, the Colts defense is the top ranked defense in the entire league right now. Really? So that's something to keep in mind. That's where I'm, that's where I'll go for my, for my stardom, but um, go ahead for your, go, go for your sit Yeah. My, and my sit my sit for this week, this, this was a tough one. This honestly was a tough one. And to me, the sit has got to be Derrick Henry. This you is not will. the week. What? They're going to – I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you something. You, The Colts defense, as you just mentioned, number one in the entire NFL. What do you think they're going to key in on? Derrick Henry. They're going to pull out all the stops to put him down. But the Titans – they're going to be going through the air. It's going to be A.J. Brown all day, Ryan Tannehill making plays, them busting out 
deep into their running back depth to get the ball moving. This is the week Derrick Henry is not going to score more than 10 points. This is the week. I mean, we've seen it, though. I mean, uh, Derrick Henry didn't do exactly, like, great last week by any means. Last week, Derrick Henry had 6.8 points against the Bears. So it is proven that if a defense is strong enough, like the Bears are, like the Colts are, Derrick Henry can be stopped. And yeah, if you look at it, he had 21 rushes for only 68 yards. That's not... That's not Derrick Henry like, but also at the same time, if a, de- if a defense knows what's going to come, I mean, at the, at the same time, Ryan Tannehill may, may very well like try and game manage this game, but if he can't rely on Derrick Cook to, or Derrick Cook, Derrick Henry to do that, then I would have to imagine they're going to have to open up the air raid, and then that means that just less less sugar for Derrick Henry. I would, I would agree with that. Look and at what A.J. Brown has done, though. He's been scoring 20 points like it's his business, and he and and to me that's almost a, a, the biggest stat that is coming into this game because this is where ranking slaves make the mistake you know you you look at AJ Brown and his ranking among receivers isn't going to be very good but that's because he was banged up the first couple of weeks he's healthy and dropping 20 points on a weekly basis and Derrick Henry just only scored 6 and as a PPR leagues in, that most of us are in, Derrick Henry is pretty touchdown dependent, though he gets a lot of touchdowns and he's going to get a lot of opportunities to score touchdowns. He is touchdown dependent. And if this Colts defense finds a way to keep him out of the end zone, I, I don't think he's going to get it's going to be a very tough 10 points if he gets there. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you. And I'm actually going to go for, to a to a teammate of his for my sit-em. And I, honestly, I might as well start there. Do um, you have any guesses to who I'm going to tell you to sit from the Titans? Sit? Is it? Oh, um, man. If it's not, oh, man, I don't know. If it, is, is, it, is it Brown? Is it A.J. Brown? No way. I'm not sitting A.J. Brown right now. Yeah, no, man. I'm, I'm like, because you didn't really comment on that. So I'm thinking you, you, you hype it up disagreement. I don't know. Who is it? Is it Tannehill? It's Tannehill. It's Tannehill, okay. And I'll tell you a couple reasons. So, I, you know, if you look at his game log, and he's, he's doing pretty good this year. He's 10th ranked. Uh, he's QB 10 right now in ESPN leagues. Um, average points, 20.8. But if you look at the, the three games, four games that he's had that were not great, only 17 or less points, Minnesota, the Steelers, the Bengals, and then the Bears. I would say majority of those teams have a pretty good, good secondary besides Minnesota actually Minnesota kind of surprises me but um Houston Pittsburgh or not Houston Pittsburgh and Chicago and Cincinnati especially defensive fronts I mean I don't think when he faces a really good defense who can get pressure on Tannehill I don't think that he's actually that fantasy worthy and we talked we just talked about it again the Colts are a force right now on defense and if Derrick Henry's not getting going Tannehill likely is not going to have that safety valve like I kind of alluded to I mean, if he's going to try and game manage this game and Henry can't take the load off of Tannehill, Tannehill is going to be looking at a lot. He's going to be seeing ghosts, to quote Sam Darnold. He's going to be seeing some ghosts. <laughs> Come on, man. That's, that was a cheap shot. No, I had to do it. I'm sorry. I he's going through some stuff. He's got Adam Gase. He's going through some stuff. Darnold can be good. I'll say it right now. Darnold, Darnold is a good quarterback. He's just screwed right now with his quarter with his he deserves quarter. a second chance i'll give him that but i'm i i really i i haven't been a believer from the beginning 
Wow. Okay, that's a difference. That's a different topic. But what about Tannehill? Yeah. What do you think about the Tannehill take? Yeah. Um. And and I think that I, to to piggyback off of what you said, teams getting pressure. I'm gonna attribute this to Kirk Cousins a little bit. You you you've seen Kirk Cousins put up a lot of big numbers, but it hasn't been that way this year, and that's because the Vikings once again fail to fix the offensive line that's been the problem for six years but <laughs> when 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 teams get pressure on quarterbacks that are pocket passers and make most of their money making plays inside the pocket it, they can shut them down for fantasy value because you look at the top quarterbacks that always are that, that have the highest value in fantasy you look at kyler murray you look at Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson last year, not so much this year. You could even date back to Michael Vick when he was in his hate, when in Philadelphia, even when he was running the football, getting all those touchdowns. Quarterbacks like Ryan Tannehill, they're solid quarterbacks, but when you give them an unfavorable matchup, their value does decrease. It's almost like it's almost like they're 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 gonna put up their 17 points, but when you you need your quarterbacks to be putting up points, I think quarterback is very overlooked in fantasy because you need to get guys that are difference makers. And if your league is like most leagues are, where quarterback points are every 25 yards, the margin of difference is not that much. So a guy that's going to get a running touchdown, that's just huge. And when you got a guy like Tannehill going up against this defense, you're 100% right. And that's exactly why I drafted Kyler Murray for my first quarterback. But luckily for me, most of my redraft leagues, people undervalued him. So I got him like a third or fourth round pick. But if he's not, if he's not a runner, if he's not a runner, he's going to be losing some fantasy value, obviously. But if he can't consistently put you up 20, give you 20 points at least, quarterback's not, he's not really worth starting in my opinion because they can really kill you. I mean, look at Jimmy G a couple weeks. He scored, I think, negative points one week and then two points one week and likely in a lot of leagues, especially 12-team leagues, he was your quarterback too. Um, if you have Jimmy G playing, he's basically lost you the week because he didn't score a single point. And you expect someone like him to put up some decent points. And Tannehill, I mean, he's prone to have some some games where he just doesn't really contribute and he kind of lets it go to Derrick Henry or he just kind of game manages. I would almost compare Tannehill a little bit to Cousins in that sense. I think Cousins is like that. When he does succeed, it's because Dalvin Cook is going crazy. And um, if Dalvin Cook's going crazy, Kirk Cousins is going to go crazy. If Derek Hunt, if Derek Henry's going crazy, Ryan Tannehill is going to go pretty crazy, I would say, or at least get you twenty points. So, I would sit Tannehill this week just because of the fact that the Colts defense and potentially Derek Henry not really getting going. He might be, and he might, be, he might be seeing Casper. He might be hanging out with Casper like that Geico commercial, whether he's popcorn Casper. <laughs> does Ryan that make Tannehill and Sam Darnold are going to be watching the movie with Casper this weekend? Does that make does that make the Colts defense your stardom? Dude, I would always start the Colts defense, but you want to know who my stardom is from the Colts? Who? It's not a quarterback. It's not a running back. Not a wide receiver. To Jack Doyle or somebody? It's not a tight end. And it's not a defensive player. It's a kicker. Rodrigo Blankenship is my stardom. And I will tell you why. <laughs> hey man, you know what? I I, I I'm not gonna even question it. Kick is, kick kickers make a difference. I'll be the first to admit people don't say it enough. They are they are people too, okay? And this isn't a joke pick. It kind of is because who expects someone to pick a kicker for a stardom? But Rodrigo Blankenship, he's had a couple rough weeks, okay? 
Detroit didn't even kick a field goal, and Baltimore only had one attempt. But every week besides that, he's had seven or more points, including 10 or more, four times. And at the end of the day, if your kicker scores you two or three points and their, your opponent kicker scores 15, that's a 12-point swing right there. So say, he, say your opponent's kicker, who's like Justin Tucker, kicks two, two field goals of 50 yards, that's 10 points, and he has two extra points, that's 12 points. You gotta. You need to have a good kicker out there. He actually gonna is gonna contribute. And Rodrigo, although he may look like a nerd, if if you're thinking about starting someone like Graham Gano or like uh, what's what's another guy I'm thinking of, freaking Goskowski, who's missing kicks left and right this year. I'm telling you, against Tennessee, who's gonna be looking for blood, I'm assuming they're gonna get a couple goal line stops, which means that's gonna be a couple field goal attempts from Mr. Rodrigo Blankenship. You know, I would it's say it's kind of funny you brought up it's kind of funny you brought up Guskowski because you could you could almost argue this is a good week to start Guskowski because if the Colts defense being as elite as they are you would almost think the Titans are going to be kicking field goals instead of touchdowns and that's ultimately the reason to pick a kicker you look at a matchup and think is this going to be the week that this offense is going to you know be kicking a lot of field goals yeah that's actually a good point this week I'd start Guskowski yeah you could start Guskowski this week that's another start of you could start either Tennessee kicker or Indiana kicker. Start either this, one. This it'll be it'll be like a eighteen fifteen victory for the for whatever team with a bunch of fifty yarders. Hopefully, oh that would be a crazy game. I would love that. We, but love okay, that. didn't blanket chip? Did okay? Did, I, I, correct me if I didn't blanket chip have a like very early in the season, which really put him on the map. It might have been against the Vikings. The Vikings, he had four field goals and two extra points. He had 15 points. Yeah, see, right. Yeah, I knew. I, I remember. And you're because I remember watching that game. It was not a fun day for me. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I mean, the Vikings game against us the other a couple weeks ago was not fun for me either. So, I love that. I love that stardom. I love it. And I agree. And to be honest with you, I agree with it. Rodrigo, I, man, he's a nerd, but he's a he's a good nerd. He's going to do well. I mean, he, Hey man, I I don't I don't like a kicker can be whoever they want to. You know they're not out there taking shots. They don't got to be tough guys. They just got to have a really strong leg. Exactly, that's right. And Rodrigo, he's got a good leg. You know what else he's good at? Building Lego sets. Are you serious? That's actually, that's actually true. I think. Yeah, look it up on YouTube. I think he he builds Legos in his free time. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, well, that gives all of our viewers something to check out, most definitely. <laughs> see, where right. see where people are finding their NFL kickers. Some teams and, need uh, that. Speaking of our viewers, uh, that's that's the show, guys. Um, but like James brought up earlier, if you guys have any questions about a start and sit them, um, if you've got a, a trade deadline coming up and you're like, okay, last second, should I trade this guy for the playoffs? Let us know. We'll tweet about it mid, uh, probably maybe even Sunday or Monday. We'll tweet about it. Hopefully we get some replies on it. Um, and then we'll bring it up on our next uh, podcast. But uh, for now, uh, James, any last final thoughts? Thanks for listening, guys. As always, it was a really fun time. Yeah, it was, it was a good show today. I would, I would have to agree with that. Good show. Good show. All right. Good luck, everybody, this weekend. Um, start Rodrigo Blankenship and um, get rid of Clyde Edwards Lair. And uh, what else is there? Don't listen to me about my Dalvin Cook takes. Oh, that's right. Oh, <laughs> Hey man, hey man, you we know what? To, we have to quickly bring that up. We have to. Call hey man, hey man, hey man, you know what? Hey, hey man, if, if, if I'm the biggest Dalvin Cook fan you will find, and the fact that this guy's <laughs> even proving his biggest fan wrong should show you how special he is. He's gonna take the Vikings to the promised land. James, I I, I traded for him in one of my leagues 
I gave away I gave away Cooper Cup, Tua, and I think um, some some other top receiver for Delvin Cook. This guy was trying to get rid of him because he thought that he actually had the same viewpoint as you. He thought he was going to be terrible the rest of the year. And I was like, well, I'll take him off your hands. The first two weeks I played him, he scored 35-plus points. Yeah, so, I know, man. Hey, hey, you know what? I'm not complaining. I in, There's some cases where I like being wrong, and that's most definitely one of them. <laughs> that's amazing. Yes, don't listen to James and Delvin Cook, but other, other points James has made. Those are good. Those are good. Um, but as always, thanks for listening. Uh, check us out on Twitter at Dairy underscore sports. Um, you can check me out personally on Twitter. I don't really tweet all that much. I'm at, at Chase Grabowski. But I think James actually tweets on his personal a decent amount. James, what's your Twitter handle? Uh, it's Tree Fried James. Um, should be able to find me, though, uh, with Dairy Sports. Yeah, so just go on Dairy Sports. Look us up. Uh, but other than that, thanks you guys, thank you guys for watching or and listening. And uh, like we said, just comment on our next uh, tweet, and we'll get you guys involved in the podcast. So have a good weekend, and um, good luck. Adios.